Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, passing shotters, and welcome to the latest episode of your Tennis Catch-Up podcast. My name's Joel. And I'm Kim. And this week we'll be looking post-US Open at the Davis Cup, Labour Cup and the start of the Asian Swing. Plus we'll have your regular features with scoreboard stories highlighting the most random match statistic from the week. And we'll also be speculating over the best tennis gossip from social media in Gossip Alley. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, Kim. Uh, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So I'm just getting over um, US Open. Uh, you know, we're going into going into Asia now. It's almost like the final, the finals uh, leg before the World Tour finals. Yeah, and then the off season and Christmas. And wait, Christmas is only three months away, so it will be here before we know it. I'm sure it will be. It's a bit of an odd <laughs> time actually because it's kind of like post US Open. We've got so many like. Not, we've got loads of tennis to talk about. We've got loads of different tennis to talk about. We've got Davis Cup. We've got Labour Cup. We've got WTA events. We've got ATP events. There seems to be lots of different types of tennis going on at the moment. Yeah, it's all kind of spread about. But then it's it's quite nice because, you know, there's a lot of team, team events going on, um, which makes a change. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think we have got quite a lot to talk about today. It's been quite a lot happening. Yeah, we do. There's been a lot that's happened over the last two weeks. As I said, we've had, we've, well, we've just had the Labour Cup um, between Team Europe and Team World. Um, we've had the Davis Cup as well. We've had the semi-finals um, as well as the relegation playoffs. In the ATP circuit as well, we've had uh, the 250 tournaments, St. Petersburg and Mets. And on the WTA side, uh, we've had the premier event Tokyo, as well as some um, international series events in Seoul, Guangzhou, Quebec um, and Hiroshima um, so I think we're going to start by talking about what everyone I guess is talking about at the moment which is uh, the Labour Cup. Yes I did I do love the Labour Cup actually I was a bit unsure about it last year I think when it first started but I don't know I think it's grown on me a lot I think it's really good for the game just to see everyone come and kind of coming together you know um, like for me seeing like Djokovic and Federer playing doubles together. That's yeah. pretty cool. Like you wouldn't see that anywhere else, would you? So um team team what do they call themselves? Team Jokera? Jokera? Jokera, Fed Federer. Uh, yeah, it could be it could be any one of a number of combinations, I think. Yeah, you could have all sorts. Fedev, I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah, Team Europe won, thirteen eight it was. And the point yeah. system is quite weird, isn't it? So well, you get yeah, that's what I was going to talk. That was going to be one of my kind of main talking points. Was the 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 point system is a bit random because it's one point for matches on the first day, two points for matches on the second day, and then third points. Oh, sorry, three points for um, matches on on the third day. So almost like kind of 
ramps up the you know risk reward factor as we get kind of deeper in, into it. So that makes sense as to why they played Federer and Zverev, uh, you know, and Isner mm. on the last day, I'm assuming, as opposed to, you know, Edmund and Francis Tiafo on day one, uh, just because it means more, I guess, in terms of the points. Exactly. Um, um, I mean, we had... Yeah. was playing on day two. I mean, he lost to Kevin Anderson, but I mean, they, they do match tie breaks, don't they? So it's not like um, three, four sets. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, exactly. And I think I think that kind of format works well for you know if this is a you know this is a if we think this is a really posh you know poshed up glam glam exhibition, it's attractive. Might not be tennis fans, you know, people who aren't maybe used to watching like a full best of five set match. That yeah. you know, and actually a best of three set match where the third set is a you know champions tiebreak, not even a full set. It actually might it works quite well, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and also like the calibre of players in, you know, both teams is extremely high. And I think it's great. Like, if especially yeah. if you're yeah, someone who's never been to live tennis before, um, to go and see something like that, I think that's it's really good for getting people into the game. Uh, yeah, so we had, um, so in Team Europe, we had, as you said, we have Djokovic, Zverev, and then we had Dimitrov, Goffin and Kyle Edmund. Um, and then for Team World, we had Kevin Anderson, John Isner, uh, Diego Schwartzman, Jack Sock, Nick Kyrgios and Francis Tiafo. Um And I think TFO was brought in as a late replacement for uh, Del Potro. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, um, but I-, I think for me, what was great was seeing uh, when they did the, the, pre, the pre-tournament photos. I mean, for me, it was just great to see Isner next to Schwartzman. <laughs> I think that must be like the biggest contrast. Like, I would have loved to see them play doubles together. Like, that would have been hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah, I like all the uh, all the publicity shots look great. Like, you know, dapper men in suits. Uh, They all scrubbed up rather nicely. And I have to say, I think I beat you on this one in our in our predictions. Yeah, I'm sure I predicted Team Europe to win, and I think you put down Team World. So I. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I will say I will say this though. I mean, Team Europe, Team Europe was seven one up at one point. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking, what was I thinking? But we, but Team World, we did pull it back to eight seven, and I think that almost created um, that was exciting. It made it excitement from beginning to end. You know, I thought at one point, yeah, Team Europe might walk it, but um, you know, interest kind of didn't wane at, at any point, and I think that was kind of shown in the attendance figures, which were really consistent through all the sessions. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, in a way, I guess it's like um, a bit like the World Tour Finals, isn't it, in terms of, you know, the type of players that are actually in the field. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, I especially love it when you get top players teaming up in, in the doubles because that's what used to be the case, you know, like years and years ago. You'd have the top names in the singles pairing up in the doubles in the Grand Slams, but you just don't get that anymore. So... It's so nice to see them play doubles. You know, I'm, I'm a big doubles fan, so that's kind of my favourite thing about it. I think. Um, I think, yeah, I think for me, one question remains though is, I I get right. I get tennis is a global sport, and Europe versus rest of the world. Yes, that makes sense. But is there like, could there be another way of spinning it? Does you know, does Europe versus rest of the world? Mm. you know do are people really invest in the rest of the world yeah i guess Could, like a usa team 
you know create more i think um, well, that's going down like the potential. Ryder cup route isn't it like they're doing golf which obviously mm. really well in golf um but i mean yes there's a lot of american tennis players but i think that's reducing the field way too much if you just limited it to the usa you could have like asia you know like asia pacific um so you could have like Kyrgios and then you know nishikori you could, um include like russian players in that if you did like a or you could just kind of do I'm, east meets west i don't know um, well i'm 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 gonna go even more rogue here okay. and i'm gonna suggest what about a labor cup of one-handed versus two-handed backhands oh okay <laughs> so on one side maybe in the one-handed column you've got <laughs> you know team Federer, Warinka, Dimitrov, Sissipash, Shapovalov. Yeah. And then on the two-hander side, you got, you know, Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, you know, Nishikuri, uh, Del Potro, whatever. Um, I don't know. I thought this, that might be kind of... I think there's, like, ways that you could do it that might be a bit, yeah. you know, could be yeah. interesting beyond, like, you know, the regular kind of classification. You could do uh, left-handed versus right-handed, although I think... Oh, that's a great well, yeah, a bit harder to to find, I suppose. Rafa, would- yeah, I wonder what that would. You wonder what that would look like yeah. as a team. But yeah, that's a definitely a <laughs> that's definitely a good shout. Or you know, players who are six foot plus versus <laughs> players below six foot plus. I, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's loads yeah. of different options out there. Yeah, no, exactly. I think um, you know, make it have a different spin on it every year. Uh, but it's going to be in, is it Geneva next year, I think? So it's good that it's going. Oh, is, that, is that right? Yeah. I think so. I'm sure mm. I read that it was Geneva. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good if it's, you know, going to move since and such like. Yeah. I guess uh, if it is in Geneva, I'm assuming, obviously, Federer will, will play that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for me, in terms of kind of a, a longevity issue, is that, you know, how much interest would there be in Labour Cup? once you know it's big stars you know start to kind of move on from like a playing capacity you know if you know once kind of you know Federer and Nadal retire um you know with these sorts of events you know is the is publicity really or is kind of interest in it just really actually based on kind of a couple of players Um, the same for tennis as as a whole industry (laughs) Yeah. Like when, you know, the big three, four, whatever, um, you know, when they will retire, it's going to be completely different. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, how yeah. the spectators... It's a bit of a scary thought, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I've, I've known tennis without, like, the big the big boys, <laughs> the big four. Yeah. I mean, I think we've got a while yet, though. I don't think Federer plans on going anywhere too soon. Hopefully not. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh yeah, so in Labour Cup we had um yeah, it was Team Europe who uh won the trophy. Um and they they um they won it uh for the second year in a row, so they defended their title. Um yeah, so I guess con- congratulations to them. We'll see what happens next year. I think um I I, I saw that uh Dominic team won St Petersburg, which was going on at the same time as the Labour Cup uh this week. And um in his press conference, he said he wouldn't. I don't. I think he said he wouldn't actually be available next year. So it sounds like he's already been packed up to to play for the team next year. Uh, yeah. No. Well, fair enough. He probably probably felt like he was missing out. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Well, yeah, big payday, I'm assuming, for a lot, yeah, of, those, a lot, of, the, lot of those payers. A lot of money for doing it. Um, mm. But yeah, he had a good, but yeah, good week anyway, winning in uh, St. Petersburg. Yeah, and before we, I guess before we get onto that, we, let's just talk about the other kind of big team event going on um, as well since the US Open. We had the Davis Cup. Um, we had the semi-finals. Uh, we had France versus Spain and Croatia versus USA. And then we also had the world group um, relegation playoffs and of kind of interest to British fans. We had GB at home to um, Uzbekistan. Yeah, I mean, um, where to begin? So let's well, let's start with the semi-final. So we have mm. France-Croatia final lined up in Lille. Um, mm. So France kind of thrashed Spain. Yeah. I think the the Croatia USA for me was where yeah. that was a really fascinating tie that had had almost everything I think in it. It did, and it came down to the last match, didn't it? So that's mm. really exciting. Um, so yeah, I think France Croatia that'd be a, a really good final. Um, I would. Yeah, they've announced it. it's going to be in uh, Lille, yeah. Lille again. Yeah, um, on a clay on a clay court. Yeah. You'd think you'd think France. Yeah. You will would have that. Um, home crowd but yeah uh home crowd yeah and i you know croatia or it could be you know silic and um chorich as well it could be you know could give you know the sing in the singles a run a run for the money but um you know they've done very well you know to get past that american team and yeah get get to the final um because i think we both had uh usa in our predictions um we we both had usa winning that tie Oh, damn. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> down, but yeah, I think maybe I just thought the Americans would have the slight edge, but um, no, well done. I think what, Croatia. Yeah, I think what turned it was, um, I think in the doubles, I think Jack Sock pulled out. Yeah, um, it was so it was going to be Sock and Brian, Brian who won, you know, previously won the, the men's doubles at the US Open and um, they, I think they lost the doubles and I wondered whether that was the, you know, that was, that was the kind of the, the moment that swung it. May well have been. Um, I mean, obviously, yes. um, Britain, we had a successful tie against Uzbekistan. Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> well, we, yeah, we, we faced, you know, the almighty Uzbekistan with, you know, their team and maybe about four supporters <laughs> in that stadium. Oh, but um, I do love, you know, my one of my favourite players is Dennis Istomin of Uzbekistan. <laughs> you know, it's such, such a look going on with his glasses. Um, I love a bit of Dennis Istomin. So, um, Dennis <laughs> managed to beat him in five sets. So, that was... That was, that a, was a very, yeah, that was a very impressive victory. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, I think at the end of day one, when, when it was one all, you would have thought, you know, you would have thought Evans was going to lose to Istamin and you thought Norrie was going to beat their number two player, but it was actually the other way around. Um, and it was very surprising to see Cameron Norrie lose to a player that, I'm going to be honest, had never even heard of before. <laughs> no, me neither. Yeah, I would have put Cam down to win that one quite comfortably, but... Yeah, match, yeah, match points. Like, he was up two sets as well. Okay, just meltdown. Um, but fortunately... Uh, we can always rely on our doubles. <laughs> so, mm. and then, well, they went to set down, and I well, think people, yeah. you know, people are a little bit worried. I think yeah. at some points in that match. Um, and then, yeah, Cam then obviously brought it home in the second, mm. his second rubber. 
Yeah. So I guess good job. I guess what's yeah exactly, and I guess you know for me, I guess what what is interesting and what's so unique about Davis Cup is that you know it does throw up those moments where you know the the the, the player who beat Nori complete unheard you know complete unheard of you know to you know probably ninety nine point nine percent of people in that stadium just came in played with no fear. And yeah, he won, you know, won the match in five sets. And, you know, you're not going to get those, you know, it's a very unique situation that you get in Davis Cup tennis, which makes it so special. And it's just, get, I guess, you know, a lot of kind of Davis Cup, you know, fans are going to be quite, you know, sad by, you know, moving on almost from this, from this era to, you know, to the next with kind of PK coming in with the, you know, the Cosmos Cup or, or whatever we're, we're going to be calling it next year. Oh, I know. I know. It is sad, isn't it? Well, you know, there's so much history that's now just sort of being um, evaporated of this new format. Um, but yeah, you do get some really random names popping up. I mean, I think in the Sweden-Switzerland tie, I, I hadn't heard of like half of those players yeah <laughs> yeah I agree, I agree. you do get some like when the big guys you know aren't able to play like Federer and Stan etc then you know you realize there's not an awful lot of depth in maybe Swiss men's tennis but you know mm. sort of uh interesting names but you know gives them a good chance to to get some practice and you know play on a big stage yeah so and I guess, um, I, and by the way, his name was Eurobet Karimov, and he was a world number four hundred and thirty-four. So you know, very well done to him for for, mm-hmm. for beat, you know, for you know, coming out, you know, two sets down. It was almost like a role reversal to when Nori beat, uh, uh, was it Ramos Vinolas in um, in Spain? Oh yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's now kind of. I think it's now set in terms of the 12 um, seeded nations um, for next year's qualifying round. So um, along with Great Britain, we have Argentina, Belgium, Serbia, Italy, Germany, Kazakhstan, Czech Republic, Sweden, Austria, Canada, and Japan. Um, and they'll face up against um, uh, some un- the unseeded, the unseeded group. Um, and these will include countries like Switzerland, Hungary, Netherlands, Russia, um, Australia, India, Uzbekistan, uh, Colombia, Chile, Brazil, and a couple of more to be confirmed. Now, I guess the interesting point to make here is that the um, Cosmos Cup or whatever we're going to be, the Davis Cup, the you know reincarnated next year, will have two wild cards that will get to bypass the qualifying round and go straight into the final. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to hear that Leon Smith, the... GB Davis Cup captain actually came out and said, well, first of all, he wanted to understand the criteria on which um, on which those wildcards are going to be selected. Um, and then he, he kind of threw Great Britain's hat in the ring there because he felt that, you know, consistently over the last few years, you know, GB's performances have, have merited at least consideration for one of those wildcard spots. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a bit confusing to get my head around how they're doing it all, to be honest. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of still um, kind of anti the whole thing. I just, um, I mean, does this mean with the, the world card, you know, do you just go straight through to that final, um, mm. what the final 12 seeded? No, hang on. How many is that? No, you do? go through to the final. <laughs> 
yeah, so you go through to the the final. Um, you yeah, you skip the qualifying round, go straight through to the the end of the knockout final. I think it is, and whenever you know, whenever it is. But um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because yeah, Leon Smith kind of basically brought up. It's hard to you know make that a fair process when it's being delivered by the ITF. Um, yeah, you know, with loads of kind of you know. You know, suits probably talking about TV audiences Body, and rating. Yeah. Who do we give wild cards right. to, you know, yeah. to grow this new event and, and stuff like that? So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where who those wild cards get assigned to. Um, I, I think that comes out, um, you know, perhaps perhaps before the next podcast. Um, but they are decided before the draw takes place for um, for those qualifying rounds and. To Leon Smith's point as well, he was basically saying that, you know, if I look unseeded at G-Base, those ties I think away, I think only two would have been at home. And the Columbia or whatever in South America or the clay court of the Australian, it's just ideal situation. So I think he wants to avoid that as much as all. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. The British fans going out to... You know, dare I say, Colombia in <laughs> February. <laughs> Be a nice winter holiday. Um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, really, um, with the draw. That will be. I think the um, if the quali- qualifying round is going to be f- beginning of Feb next year, but they're doing the draw, aren't they? Yeah, this Wednesday. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how it all pans out. Okay, so let's have a look at what's been going on in the world of regular tournaments. Um, had a few ATP events. We mentioned earlier that Dominic Team had won St. Petersburg. So he, um, he only dropped one set, um, got his first indoor trophy on the tour, beating Martin Klejan in the final. Um, yeah. He had a pretty good week, actually. He beat Stan. Uh, Wawrinka, Shapovalov and Fognini. So um, not a bad run of form. I mean, Klijan's kind of one of those players that, you know, can on his day, I think, beat anyone really. What yeah. You think? Yeah. You can definitely turn on the style. Uh, you know, you can turn on the style. It's just whether you can do that consistently that yeah, probably the no. biggest question for him. <laughs> um, and then obviously Stan, yeah, doing kind of continuing to do well as well since coming back from injury. Uh, he got to the semi. Mm. Uh, but yeah, team pretty pretty strong um, getting that title. Um, yeah, and what we had we had Jill Simon winning in Mets, uh, so home tournament, and uh, that was his second title this year. Um, he's yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, really good for him because he's one of those players that I just kind of discount now. Which um, is it's perhaps- so sad though because like for uh, me, he like maybe four or five years ago he was my yeah like banker for like third round, fourth round kind of of a grand slam. Um, really, I think he's a really lovely player to watch. I always kind of, mm-hmm. when I am at a grand slam and if he's on an outside court, I do try and make the time to go watch him because I just think he's a very, yeah. um, he's a very, ni- he's a very nice guy who happens, who happens to be very good at tennis. Um, and he's had a very, you know, long um, and I think successful career. Um, and it's, yeah, great to kind of see him back, uh, to almost old ways, kind of yeah, winning the the Mets Open. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's nice to have him back uh, 
back to winning ways. He, yeah, I mean, especially at the French Open, I think he's always a good match, isn't he? A good entertaining player to watch um, at the slams and such like. And then um, yeah. there's been more going on, I would say, in the women's um, mm. at tour events in the last few weeks. So Tokyo is probably the biggest event, the premier, um, where we had US Open champion Naomi Osaka uh, back in action yeah. on home turf. Did you manage to watch any of that tournament at all? Uh, no. Um, I think it was in a, a completely... It was probably going on during the night. So, the time uh, zone. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't get the chance to watch, but I was kind of... I was following Osaka's journey through and um, I thought it was kind of interesting to think, like, to compare, like, her versus Kerber when she won Wimbledon. And, you know, Osaka's... I mean, obviously, it's her home tournament, but, you know, she's gone straight back into it um, and done really well, actually, getting getting to the final. Um, whereas, obviously, like Kerber at Wimbledon, you know, she had a bit more time off and then came back. And then I think she lost, you know, in, in the first or at, at, at a Masters series event. So um, I think, yeah, Osaka did really well to kind of kind of continue her good form and her momentum. And I think, you know, I think maybe it was just maybe a match, perhaps a match too far. You know, she's played a lot of tennis over the last month or so. Yeah, and she lost to Bliskova, who's um, no mean feat. And, uh, no, former I, world number one. Exactly. I think, did I read it correctly that Pliskova hasn't lost a final this year? Um, so she's... Is that right? I okay. think, I'm sure I've read it somewhere, unless I've just made it completely up. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, a big Pliskova fan. So, <laughs> But yeah, she's got, she well, that's her 11th title. So yeah, she's, um, mm. yeah, I think Asaka did really, really well to get to the final and, and maintain that form, you know, from the US Open. Because as you said, so many players just lose, you know, first round, the next like five tournaments after they've won their first slam. So um, that's really, really good. And then um, we also had, well, just uh, Seoul in South Korea as a tournament. Uh, Kiki mm. Burton's another name that's been really, you know, really on the up. Yeah. yeah. She's been, yeah. Won 20 of her past 23 matches, stretching back to that's Wimbledon crazy. across grass and hard yeah. It's pretty, pretty good going. That must be one um, of the highest percentages um, of on the tour. Um yeah. back to grass courts yeah um so she beat Tommy Nanovic uh, in quite a long match three sets in the final um and she well she's now got her th- third title of the year Kiki Burton's um and only Kvitova is ahead of her yeah which brings her on level yeah brings her on level with Halep and Mertens, Mertens yeah with Kvitova Mertens and Mertens um and then <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen eventually Kim I can't wait for it. <laughs> Merchants back. Is it going to happen in a Grand Slam yeah, final? I doubt it, but definitely a WTA event. I'm waiting for it. Merchants versus Burton. <laughs> um, and then... Maybe Bevelmans is going to be a coach of oh, one of them. God. I don't know. Ruben Bevelmans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, continuing our tour through Asia. Um, I don't know how to say this. Apologies, any Chinese fans. Guangzhou, Gungzhu. <laughs> don't know. Um, <laughs> and then, okay, how about this? Wang Quang, um, number three. Wang, Wang Chang. Chang. Okay, Wang sorry. Um, <laughs> beats um, Putin Saver. Putin Saver. Oh, not having much luck with the names. Uh, well, she thrashed her, actually, in the final. Um, so that's nice. They got a Chinese winner um, at their home tournament. And then, popping over to Japan, we had the Hiroshima tournament. 
Uh, again, pronunciation leaving a lot to be desired, but Du Wei Shui, um, I think that's I think that's almost there. Um, she won her third career title, um, winning in Hiroshima. Uh, did you? Uh, what did you make of her? What do you make of Du Wei Shui? She's sort of one of those players that kind of is always there, wow, well, and it's like very a, tricky to play against. Very very awkward opponent. Um, also, I think she. I think she won that tournament without a sponsor. <laughs> like she doesn't play with a shirt sponsor. Um, so yeah, but yeah, go. Oh, but focusing on her performance, yeah, I think you know she is one of those players that is very awkward to play against. And she came up against um, Amanda Anisimova, who is an upcoming um, very good prospect for the USA. Um, she's the youngest player inside the um, WTA top 100. She's only 17 years old. So, um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, she, she, she's probably one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, she's already getting to finals, you know, 17 yeah. years old. She could be a very interesting prospect. Absolutely. To watch. Yeah. She's, um, yeah, the youngest player in the world's uh, top 100, which is, yeah, amazing. So, mm. yeah, really, really uh, interested to see what she's going to be doing in the next year or so. Um, yeah, and then we had um, we had Quebec as yeah. well, uh, where Pauline Parmentier lifted her second title of the season, um, and she defeated uh, Pegula in the final, um, which takes her back inside the top fifty, which is the uh, first time since two thousand and eight. So, um, yeah, well done, well done to her. I guess. Yeah, she's. Um, I know <laughs> she's one of those that. players that I see it. You know, when you're walking around a Grand Slam, she's like always on the outside courts. And you sort of stop, and yep. watch a few games, and then move on to the next court. And I'm court hopping, but I've never really seen much of her play. So yeah, well done, Pauline. And uh, yeah, I think it was um, yeah Heather Watson yeah. who showed some good form in that yeah. tournament as well. She she very nearly she very nearly got to the got to the mm. final. I think it was a quite a, it was quite a sore one. She lost in in the semis, um, but it was kind of good to see her back. Um, you know, in a semi final. I think that was her first since. Hobart in January, so um, you know, it was good for her, and it, it actually propelled her into into the back top one hundred. Yes. So um, that was kind of a good for British British fans yeah, as well. Because um, didn't really do an of... awful lot in Tokyo, did she? She lost to Vekic. Uh, yeah, and Conta Conta is not having a, the greatest time at the moment. Already out of of Wuhan, which is kind of the next, mm. the following on premiere event to Tokyo losing to um to ash barty so um yeah so that's yeah so that's so that's that um <laughs> kind of moving on to british tennis as well i mean we've already spoken about davis cup we briefly touched on heather watson but actually i think you know the biggest news um in terms of results over the last couple of weeks is actually looking a bit further down um looking at jack draper who Wimbledon boys uh, singles finalist um, this year. He won his maiden senior title um, at the ITF Futures event in Nottingham. Um, He beat a fellow Brit, a guy called Andrew Watson, in three sets um, in the final. But he went to uh, Roehampton as well, obviously in in very good form. Um, And he kind of followed that up with winning the the Roehampton event as well. So he was kind of enjoying, he's enjoying very kind of rich vein, rich vein form at the moment. Yeah, and he's now, I think he's the only 16-year-old within 
the world's top 1,000. I mean, that might not sound that impressive. You think, oh, 1,000 players. But mm. to be the only 16-year-old, that obviously stands in in, in good yeah. stead. And it's not like he's 900. <laughs> it's not like he's 999 no. either. He's, he's going to move up to number 620 oh, next exactly. week. So um, that is, you know, that is going to be a very exciting prospect, I guess, for British tennis. However, I will, you know, take note, you know, not you know this could be clear signs of someone you know peaking too early maybe so he obviously needs the right kind of guidance and management to ensure that you know he can take that form and kind of build it up and you know yes he's made you know 620 but like looking at the next steps like top 500 250 and then yeah trying to make that transition you know up from up from futures to challenges to the ATP Absolutely. Mental. I mean, that's why so many, you know, amazing talents just kind of fall by the wayside, isn't it? So, yeah, he's got to make sure that um, kind of everything falls into place, really. I mean, that's a whole other podcast in itself, I think. Uh, I'm sure we can uh, save yeah. that for another day. But uh, just on a note as well about the doubles, uh, which is quite hard, yeah. the stop skis uh, back in action. Uh, they got to the final of Mets, uh, but they lost out. Nicola Mahu and Roger Vasilan. So uh, that's good. Um, they got to their f- third final yeah. um, as a doubles team. Do, do they? I don't, I swear they never get they never get talked about in terms of like Dave, you know, Davis mm-hmm. Cup and you know is there is there the is there a conversation? Well, on, I guess you know who is like the number one pairing in if Davis Jamie Cup? Murray was. In there, I mean, it's hard, I guess it's hard. Then, yeah. I mean, one of them could play with Jamie, but. I think Ken is the the like higher ranked <laughs> player out of the two brothers, uh, but then Dom, you know, mm-hmm. Jamie and Dom seem to work well together, and I mean, yeah, yeah. certainly. Good, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, I, I just think you can't say no to Jamie Murray. I mean, he's right at the top of the no, I, I agree. guy to go for. But if he was injured, if he was injured, I I think yeah, that yeah. would that would pose an interesting question whether you'd go with yeah. You know, uh, an actual doubles pairing who know how to play each other. You know, play the years yeah. together. No, I would probably go for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, so I think that's the Brits. Brits in action. Um, not not too much going on, but yeah, Jack Draper's probably uh, the most exciting news at the moment. Um, in yeah. terms of other general tennis news, um, as a Rafa fan, I'm quite sad to hear that he's still got you know knee problems and has pulled out mm. of the Asian swing. But you know that's. Uh, in his best interest to do so. So hopefully Rafa will be back in action. Uh, well, for the Paris Masters World Tour Finals, that would be nice to see him. Mm. Yeah, he season. hasn't hasn't ruled out the complete of the season yet. So yeah. there's the potential we could see him at the World Tour Finals. Yeah. But I think that you know him pulling out of the Asian swing says to me yeah. that yeah. Novak Djokovic yeah. probably yeah. going to end. The season as well yeah. as world number one, um, which which would be a mental. I would you know you wouldn't have thought that you know six months ago, um, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of obviously sad to you know not have Nadal at you know um, Shanghai um, or you know on the Asian swing, but um, yeah, but we also had um, Sharapova as well come out and shut down her seat her twenty eighteen season. Um, she withdrew from uh, Beijing. Uh, Tianjin um, and Moscow to rest and recuperate. 
So, um, yeah, so she's already kind of looking towards the, the 20, 2019 mm, season. Talking about um, 2019 and slams, um, they've announced that they are indeed going to keep the 32 seeds system for the slams. Yep. There's been a lot of rumours, hasn't there, that it's going to be cut to 16 seeds, but it's uh, not going to be next year. <laughs> so we have another year um of i don't know who's going to be the 32nd seed yeah being i don't know and you can still get you can still get interesting matchups though i find um you can still get you know world number 32 against world number 33 in the first round of a slam so um i do kind of agree that the seeding like cutting it down would generate more drama but i do still think you get a hell of a lot of interesting matchups in the early rounds anyway Mm. um yeah, I agree. Um, and then, yeah, finally, um, PK, you know, what already kind of done enough damage as it is to Davis Cup has also come out um, in the last week or so to talk about what is under apparently the working title, the Majesty Cup, which is a winner-take-all event um, with 64 players competing. And, yeah, the idea is basically... You know, at the moment, you know, if you if you enter a tournament, depending on what round you get to, you get you know x amount of prize money. But here, the idea is it's winner take all. So if you so, you know go out in the first round, you get nothing. Second round, nothing. Third round, nothing. Whatever. But you get to the final, win the final. Apparently, you're going to get ten million dollars. That's absolutely insane. I just that's <laughs> not fair. Like. I'm sorry, but if you're, I don't know, if it's a 64-person tournament, then if you're someone like Dennis Isterman, you know, um, he's not going to bother playing when he probably knows he's not going to win. So if he's going to go home empty-handed, you know, he's got to fly to get there. He's got to stay in a hotel. You know, he could go to another tournament and bloody win that one if everyone else is at this cup, you know fighting it out i mean is anyone actually going to sign up for that if they're not going to get a single bit of money back who knows who knows it's just (laughs) you know it's all it's i guess it's all kind of rumor and and hearsay at the moment but um yeah it's it's certainly a very kind of interesting idea you know a lot of my you know i can't keep just kind of thinking you know what might you know what might work in football it doesn't necessarily going to work in tennis. Um, and, you know, $10 million is a lot of money. Where's that, you know, where does that money, where is that money coming from? Um, is that a yearly, is that an annual event? Um, there's lots of, lots of questions to be raised. Um, so, well, I'm sure we haven't heard the last of that. So uh, yeah, we'll have, we'll keep an, we'll keep tabs on that. Um, now moving on to um, kind of our last two sections, Scoreboard stories. This is my kind of time to tell you about a very interesting statistic from the week. Now, I've dug very deeply here, Kim. I've gone, I've not gone ATP. I've not gone WTA. I've gone down to a 15K um, ITF event in Cairo, Egypt. And the semifinals um, were... Anna Morgina versus Anna Ure- Ureiki, maybe. I'm not sure. But the result was uh, 
Anna Ureki won uh, one love. Her opponent retired after <laughs> one minute. And then, <laughs> and then in the second semi-final, um, the top seed from Egypt, Sandra Samir, beat the Ecuadorian... Oh, wow. This, this person's name is really long. <laughs> I hope I get this right. Uh, Charlotte Lisa Lou Paredes Roma. Oh. Five seven, five seven, seven six, seven six in a match time four hours forty two oh minutes. Gosh. So some people are some people are saying on Twitter, is that the biggest difference between two matchups <laughs> in the semi final? I think ever? it That is so. Ext- I feel so sorry extreme. for the umpire as well. And um, that the so long you- match with the, that girl's name. I, I how you know having to say it. So- over four <laughs> hours. I'm hopefully they just like used her initials and gave her a nickname or something. That's insane. Um, <laughs> well, that's very. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Where I did mean, you find that statistic from? That's must have really uh, true. <laughs> well, you know, I was casually, you know, I was casually watching, you know, the Egypt satellite event um, on a on a live stream on the internet at you know four a.m. and 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 I just got engrossed in this <laughs> semi final. Um, I was really looking forward to the other one, but it only lasted a minute, so I ended up watching the other one. And yeah, amazing. Four hours later, yeah, just uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so that's that's the yeah. board so story, um, and we're going to finally end <laughs> on. And for me, kind of the biggest news of last week. I mean, I was I was searching hard for some gossip. Thomas Burditch's Instagram account got hacked and his profile picture got changed to a picture of SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, that is big, pretty... big news. <laughs> broke the internet. Uh, amazing. Uh, I mean, um, why would you hack but... an account and put a picture of SpongeBob? I mean, oh, there are far worse things that could have happened, I suppose. Um, it's just quite entertaining, but uh, yeah, it's back to normal now. Yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah, it is. He he was really he was really happy actually when he tweeted that it was back to normal. He was he was almost like celebrating like he'd won a Masters event. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, he was SpongeBob uh, SquarePants <laughs> for um, a limited a limited time. Um, but yeah, more recently uh, we had Andy Murray. Um, so Andy Murray is in Shenzhen at the moment, um, twenty fourteen champion. You know, has you know he's widely recognised around the world. You know, everyone in Asia is probably really excited to see him back on court, see how he's going to do. So they put this kind of PR um, photo shoot together um, and give him this kind of very special commemorative plate to show off to to all the fans and to all the press. Um, what does he oh, do? Kim? Well, <laughs> he goes and drops a plate, doesn't he? Really <laughs> he goes and drops it. It like falls off. It's like yeah, it's like the plate falls yeah, off the backing, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't not a great look. But uh, yeah, he, he he obviously took it in good heart and posted it on his um, Insta- Instagram uh, story. So uh, yeah, I recommend um, if you've got time, yeah, just go onto his account and, and have a look at that because it's Travel it's pretty it hilarious. Disappear. Um, so you know all of these like epic insta stories so we can go <laughs> well apparently he's he's got previous with um like like damaging trophies apparently there was an incident with him 
and the Wimbledon trophy where he dropped like the lid of the of the <laughs> cup or some or something. Um, yeah, and also um, he was given a little memento um, at the medals uh, presenta- presentation ceremony at the Rio Olympics um, before the anthem started, and again he just kind of completely. Um, just destroyed it basically um so there there needs to be some work there i know he's doing all this kind of training at the moment um you know all these crazy exercises um to keep him you know to keep him fit and flexible but yeah he needs to also practice uh you know handling uh trophies and ornaments again just so uh you know he doesn't go and he doesn't go and yeah, he doesn't really, you know, drop it on his foot and you know break a bone there does he uh any mishaps um, well, I have one, <laughs> one last bit of news uh, for any any fans in London, oh, yeah. uh, or any food fans as well. Um, Rafa Nadal, well, he, in partnership with uh, quite a few other big names, so Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Gasol, the basketball player, yeah. and Enrique Iglesias, they have opened a restaurant, okay. a Japanese, uh, well, it's Japanese fusion, I think, restaurant, Japanese... Their tagline is where Japan meets the Mediterranean. It's on the Strand. It's called Zayla. Wow. I'm doing a bit of promo for it. <laughs> um, I think it needs it with, uh, <laughs> you know, that caliber of, of investors. But it's um, it's re- very recently opened, uh, or it's opening um, on the Strand. So if there's mm-hmm. any tennis fans who fancy having a very expensive night out, Rafa Nadal-supported restaurants then um, check Zayla out, Z-E-L-A. Um, if anyone's been to Madrid, they also have um, a bar called Tatel in Madrid, which I've been to, and that's also the same, like, Ronaldo, Rafa, Pau Gasol. So interesting when, you know, players going yeah. into other business ventures. Um... Well... <laughs> I'm sure if we're if it's if it's too expensive for us, we can what we could do maybe in a in a in an episode we can we can have a look at the menu can, at least and see if we could afford know, we to go sample. there. Or, you know, you might be able to sneak in and have like a glass of tap water and some edamame. Yeah, <laughs> <Glass of tap. laughs> that might just have to do on our salaries, but um, but yeah, might want to check it out. Cool, and I think uh, so. I think on that note, we're going to end this episode of the Passing Shot. Um, as always, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, um, and also remember to like um, like us on Facebook and subscribe to us um, on all the on all the um, podcasting platforms out there. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, any podcast platform you can think of. We're probably on. So yeah, remember to kind of give us a subscribe, and we'll keep you all up to date with all your tennis needs um, from the passing shots. Uh, Kim, uh, no, just uh, everyone, just tweet us, uh, talk to us, rate us, subscribe us, share us. Um, we would be very grateful um, for any support. And until next time. And next time is going to be an interesting one because we are going to be launching the first episode of the passing shot second serve. And it's going to be all about the career fan slam. So uh, more details on that um, throughout the week. And we're hoping to get that uh, recorded um, next weekend. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, But for now, from me and Kim, goodbye. Goodbye.